Hey Guru Nation, thank you so much for watching and listening. What you're about to listen to is uh, a podcast with an interview with Dr. Yug Varma. He's the CEO and founder of Phi Therapeutics. He's building a platform um, for microbiome editing for chronic bacterial diseases. His first product is actually an over-the-counter consumer product for acne. So it's a solution for acne. We talk about how he managed to run a 90 patient clinical trial. Again, he didn't have to go the FDA route and he didn't, but he still decided to do a clinical trial just as if he was going to be submitting it to the FDA. So he had an EDC, he had a CRO, he had patient reported outcomes, he had a clinical study report, everything, IRB. Um, we talk about how he was able to get it, how he was able to fund it, some of the challenges. And we thought this was a good topic because we actually get asked this question probably a few times a month from different people that have an idea and want to know how to go clinical trial route. We're not regulatory affairs specialists or anything like that. Special shout out to my sponsor for the podcast, Viva. So Viva has a product that's absolutely free, Site Vault for sites. So when it comes to e-regulatory, you know, you can you can take control of your electronic regulatory. You can, first of all, just convert everything you have electronically as far as regulatory and then empower yourself with digital signatures and digital delegation. And you can passively share this info with your study sponsors because over 450 sponsors use Viva for their back end so they can plug it in directly with the sites using it, it's absolutely free for the sites. So check it out. Links underneath the video and in the show notes. Thank you, Viva, for sponsoring. And now enjoy the show. We have people watching that might be interested in what you've done. Um, matter of fact, people are watching. They have these ideas. Oftentimes they're doctors or PhDs just like yourself. I have this idea. I know I got to do clinical trials. They're amazed. They're stunned. Chris, how many people we talk to on a monthly basis stunned at even how how a simple trial, how much a simple trial costs? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So, I just had this conversation the other day. Somebody couldn't believe what I told them. I know. So, But here we are talking with Dr. Varma, who's stared into that abyss and still did it. So why didn't the cost throw you off <laughs> number one number two how did you do it like just from the beginning talk about your idea to do it to how you started implementing it did you have to talk to the fda at all did you did you get counsel how did you decide okay we're going over the counter route can you just kind of walk us through this because a lot of people watching and then they get stuck at that cost. They're like, whoa, this costs a lot. Like, we're just not going to do it. It becomes a good idea. Nothing yeah. else. Right. But yeah. you took it. I mean, yours is commercially like you could buy it on your website right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and so a little bit of background about my company is that um, our company is actually the, the startup is called Five Therapeutics. Um, and so we start off. And, and in many ways are uh, a kind of biotech, kind of pharma-focused company. So initially, we were developing this approach as something that would go through the FDA, um, go through, you know, an NDA, BLA pathway, um, and be approved, you know, probably hundreds of millions of dollars and decades later. Um, 
for you know a number of re reasons, we decided to go the OTC route. Um, and that has worked out really well for us. It, it was a, a great decision that we made at the time. But coming from pharma, you know, I know how much clinical trials cost in pharma. And so having looking at kind of the, the, the outlay and the bill for a consumer clinical trial, it was, I mean, fractions of pennies on the dollar, right? So fraction. Wait, wait. So I got to stop you there, Case, because we kind of skimmed over your career. So after Johns Hopkins, UCSF, you went to work for Big Pharma. No, I started this company, but we were um, sort of oriented towards Big Pharma. We, we started off, our, we started our development pathway as we were doing bench research and some validation studies. We were like, okay, we need to um, get some preclinical models. We need to gear up for phase one. We'd even kind of signed up for a type C meeting, you know, that kind of stuff. I see. So your company, Phi Therapeutics, it was created with going the full clinical trial IND mm -hmm. route. Mm -hmm. So you, I'm assuming you had investors early, you secured financing early on in the process or? Um, so we started off with an NIH grant. Um, we ah, actually have okay. had NIH funding to, to do a lot of this research. And so we started off with that mm, and we were able to do some some good preclinical work there. How the heck did you get that? And by the way, shout out to NIH. We give them a lot of slack on this channel. Um, but apparently they are investing in worthy causes occasionally like yours. How <laughs> long did it take you to secure that? Like from grant application? Um, about a year and a half, I'd say. Yeah. Did they reject it ever or like send it back? Like, hey, we need more info or like. We were very lucky. We actually got funded on our first try. Um, so wow we, you wrote it yourself or you hired a rat grant writer no i wrote it myself yeah i did the wow. research myself and i wrote it myself <laughs> wow so you nerd so before you wrote it you had to nerd out on this for a few years like this. Yeah, oh, very, yeah. very difficult to write a grant just to our audience it is yeah it's oh, yeah. it's it's very difficult my academic my academic training surely helped right uh because i'm used to writing grants i'm used to writing papers and that's kind of my my wheelhouse uh but yeah it's incredible it, it's quite difficult uh and and also i was a postdoc so i had a day job um and so i would do this nights and weekends and um did the research wrote the grant got the funding did everything else um then you know did more research with the grant money um did a few partnerships that kind of helped us with, with companies that were interested in the skin microbiome to advance our technology but also help them kind of understand it a bit more wow. um and then we got our first tranche of sort of non-dilute of, of dilutive funding to take this and, and keep going with it but by then we had uh, identified that we were going the over-the-counter route and not the pharma route. And how did you come to that decision? Like, how did you realize this? Um, there, so, so a couple of different ways, right? Uh, a couple of different reasons. The main one was just looking at the model of acne in the U.S. So acne is uh, being insured by... You can you, Obviously, you can go to a dermatologist for acne. Acne is the number one condition that all dermatologists see. However, insurers are insuring acne less and less and less. And so more and more people are paying out of pocket and, and 
it's horrible because you're already faced with this hurdle of going to a doctor, then you get a script and you buy this expensive medication and oh, it's coming out of your pocket. As a result, because insurers see acne more as a cosmetic condition, uh, drug companies have all but stopped all of their innovation pipelines for acne. So you're, you know, Gilead's and um, you know all these guys who used to be J and J, Merck, who used to be who have used to have big skincare, but specifically acne programs, acne development programs. They've all but shut down, and they're not even looking for external innovation. And so, so there goes, go, that's the answer to our clients who ask, why can't I get acne studies? There you go. Dr. Varma just answered you. Yeah, there's yeah. no money in it for once they find something. <laughs> for the payers, no one's going to buy it. They have to yep. pay cash. <laughs> yep. um, and so, um, I, you know, I don't know. Th this to us was a very clear signal that even if we got through a great phase two or even into phase three or even if we passed phase three and we had this asset that you typically sell at that point and realize all the gains, it wasn't clear to us that there would be an acquirer on the other side of that willing to pick this up. And so when you're sort of on your startup journey and you're building this kind of model to an exit, it's really, really important to kind of get get that uh, uh, timing and that, that exit right. Um, and so then we said, well, okay, it's gonna, we're gonna have to raise how much money and it's gonna take how much time to even get this through FDA approval before we realize there's no one there. Uh, what if we launched this faster and cheaper and, and just got it into people's hands, right? And then let the market do the talking for us. This, this option was much better. And then we started looking into it and we said, oh, okay, if we run a consumer clinical trial, it's this much more you know, cost effective, this much more efficient. Consumer, um, what did you call it? Consumer? A consumer clinical trial, trial right? Gotcha. So for a consumer product, right, you can run a clinical trial. Uh, it's a soap, it's a shampoo, it's a whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, most companies who run these kinds of trials will try it out on 10 people, 15 people, 20 people is a lot. And the model is they charge, the patients pay for, unlike other studies where, like IND I, studies where patients get paid. I mean, I just came back from the clinic today. We had a screening, we paid them 80 bucks. Mm -hmm. And a consumer clinical trial, they actually pay for the for being in it, right? Um, it depends, right? So you can um, you can sort of structure it in many different ways. Obviously, you want to motivate people. So there's advertising costs, there's subject so participant costs, and stuff like that. Um, and so you can you have flexibility in designing, you know, a lot of that. Uh, and so you may or may not reimburse, you know, patients for in clinic visits, for example, or following up, or compliance or, you know, whatever else you have that's measurable. Um, and so, you know, the way we did it was we wanted to make sure that it was powered and we actually modeled how we designed and ran the trial on how the FDA runs their trial and they have a guidance for acne clinical trials. So that's really useful. It's all black and white. Um, we had dermatologists running the trial. And uh, like I said, we did a double blinded and randomized controlled um, sort of trial. So, um, that randomized double blind just to break it down for the people that tuned in just now and now watch the whole thing the you had 90 patients in the study ages 12 to 35 right correct men how and many women. sites men and women how many sites did you use and what was the rationale for the number of sites because anyone's doing clinical trial knows it gets more complex and costly the more sites you bring on 
we did two sites um primarily because you know one site yeah it's more efficient and you know there's advantages in that but kind of puts your eggs in one basket and we were very very lucky because as we were halfway through the trial the pandemic hit and things started to get shut down and we needed that last patient that last clinic visit to complete the trial for a lot of people and this was the early days of corona you know virus right like where everything was just shut down and so we had two different cities in two different states and um, that helped us a lot because one of the cities we were able to get a lot more kind of patients in in the door completed before the restrictions really took hold wow um so that was another wrinkle that was fun <laughs> how did you okay there's a lot of wrinkles to doing study there isn't chris this is a good um just the clinical trial guru segment as opposed to the main the whole thing you know because so many of our clients like ask these questions or like they want to do stuff like like dr varma has done so something like technology like how did you capture the data did you use edc because these vendors are expensive i mean you talk to people in our industry these vendors are are basically enriching themselves while bankrupting the industry so like how i mean that's the crux of it right yeah not viva not viva my sponsor i gotta throw viva on there they're not they're part of the solution they're free to the sites but just something simple like EDC. You got to capture it in data system, right? Or did you use paper syrup? How did you come around these challenges? Um, we we obviously used kind of up to the date kind of EDC as much as possible, and we were taking like before after images. So there was a there's a this Vizia machine, which is like a very specialized imaging sort of hardware and software that co collects all this. We collect a ton of data. We collect a lot of sequencing data, which you know is is quite expensive to collect, but gives you amazing insight. And then we sequenced it in a very cool way. This company that does a really neat chemical trick that gives you really really high quality data. So when we were designing the trial, again back to your point, Dan, right? Of that clinical trials are expensive, right? And a lot of people get sticker shock, but. <laughs> Almost everybody that, we talk to. <laughs> exactly. But having said that, right, if you're putting in all this money and all this intention and, and spending all this time and effort into running a clinical trial because you want these urgent questions answered, you want to make sure you design the best clinical trial. Um, and the temptation sometimes is to cram every possible thing, right? You want to have six arms, seven arms. Okay. How many people are you recruiting? Oh, just about 200. Well, Think about what that turns out as number people per arm. You're not going to get any definitive signal over noise, right? So thinking that through powering things, and we had great advisors. We continue to have great sort of dermatology, scientific, kind of clinical advisors who really helped us to design a solid trial. Um, there were a lot of questions we wanted to ask, but we knew we couldn't get them all answered in one shot. So we took the most important ones, put them at the top, and, and that's what we ran the clinical trial on. Um, and, uh, then having all the data and then collating the data. So getting, getting it all integrated, um, every, everything from, you know, clinical observations to, to patient diaries, to microbiome sequencing. To you before, use after. patient diaries? Yeah. I mean, and you kept this on a budget. Wow. Mm -hmm. You're like, everybody's here at this point. I was watching this. <laughs> this guy, Dr. Farmer used all the tools. 
So what can you talk numbers or you know, if you're not comfortable, it's okay. But for the inside baseball people, like what was um, your grant? How much did this cost you? So it was, it came to about, um, I would say about $1,500 per patient. I'd say $1,500 to $1,800 per patient. So times 90, well, let's do times 100. Yeah. 15,000, 150,000 a patient? No, no, no. 150,000 oh. total. 150, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. 150K total. Yeah. Okay. Chris, is that about consistent what we tell? I mean, this is for an OTC consumer study, like not an IND trial. Yeah, this is going to be a little less expensive study than, than our oh, much, much typical, less, yeah. typical sponsored trial. Yeah. Much less, yeah. Wow. And you're able, so it took the actual study itself is eight weeks. Mm -hmm. But what was the enrollment window to get the 90? How many, how much time did that take to get the? Um, let's see. We had first patient in, in late 2019. It was probably about six, seven months to get everyone enrolled. Wow. Yeah. And then most of the, were you able to, I'm assuming from the 1500 a patient, you were able to pay the dermatologist something from that, the people doing the two sites doing the study, right? Yeah. Cause that's not a good budget for them necessarily. So how did you convince them to do it? No. So, I mean, I think the economics of running a consumer trial versus an FDA trial are completely different. I mean, mm. I wouldn't be, I, it would be at least an order of magnitude higher for a, an FDA trial, if not oh, more. Oh, easily, easily, yeah. Um, and that's why I'm saying that even like for to spend 150, I remember our investors were like, well, do you really have to do this? Is this the best use of your capital? And I was just like, just wait for it. Like, we need to do this because it's fundamental to our, our business, our science, our, our approach to acne. If we don't have this proof, we, you know, we can't just, at least I wasn't prepared to launch this product based on, you know, a, a few good reviews from friends and family who tried it. You know, I needed to show that this was kind of uh, scientifically, we that we had the hard data behind this. Um, 150K, 180K pays for a lot. And so putting it all into trial is definitely a, a significant allocation of capital. Did it pay but, for IRB, informed consent, yeah, all that stuff? Yeah. So it was. The, How did yeah. you find the IRB? Like, what did what did you do to? There's sometimes hard to get all the. Um. No. I mean, so you you like we picked an outfit that that had an IRB approval sort of process that was baked into the, the trial design. Uh, I and see. So they just took care of it. They did. Yeah. They just kind of review IRBs like every week. So. It was also fast. Also, the sites were using a local IRB, their own IRB. Yeah, yeah, and and that's you know that you can arrange that. Um, I think Chris, that's the cheaper route. You got to find mm -hmm. the sites that already have a local IRB, so you don't have to worry about that because these central IRBs, Doctor Varma, let me tell you, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's our yeah. biggest fan. But times times a big uh, factor in that equation. Right, local IRBs, individual sites with all their own local IRBs can really delay. Uh, startup and other activities so it, it's a give and take right there's positives and negatives to both situations yeah about, you certainly have to find your your kind of ideal checklist right what about labs? did you have to do safety assessments um did you use a central lab or did the sites use a local labs 
Um, yeah, so we used a third-party lab to do all the safety assessments, and and you know, um, we got a we got all that sorted before we started the trial. It was a re requirement, right, from the IRB side, and it also something that like was non-negotiable for us because we want to make sure that it, it's a new technology. It's something no one else has done before. You know, we're not just picking up like a benzoyl peroxide, selling the same stuff in a different bottle. We were doing something completely new, so that was important. And then the other costs are like, I mean, I know it wasn't an FDA submitted trial, but so you didn't need a clinical study report, but did you have data managers? Did you have, mm -hmm. you had a database. So did you have data managers, biostats? Did you have a report at the end or? Um, we had data managers and we did get, they did um, um, generate a report at the end. Um, and that was all part of kind of the, the output. Wow. You um, hire them yourself or you outsource them or how? Um, for the, the trial report, again, that was part of the clinical trial group. So the CRO actually, that was their output. You know, Wait, you had a CRO. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Barb, this is impressive because I just assumed you didn't need a CRO, so you're not going to have one. So you hired a CRO. Oh, yeah, 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 100%. So the CRO took care of everything. Right. We collaborated with them on the trial design. They did the IRB for us. Um, they, you know, set up and ran the trial at two sites. Collected the, the um, wow. You know, they it took couldn't have been IKEA. They ran the diaries. The... They, they, um, um, they, they had the IGA scoring. So basically, you come in at the clinic visit. You come in, and they will. You have a dermatologist grading their skin, and they generate a quantitative score from one to four. And that's called the IGA score. IGA, yeah. Four is really severe acne. One is like almost no acne. Zero is like perfectly clear skin. Um, then they had, you know, the Vizia imaging, which was done under like um, regular light, polarized light, a um, couple of other kinds of filters, UV light. We had all that data. So you and did then, the whole shebang. Yeah, we got we got a lot done. This this CRO has to be someone like DSCS, right? It can't be Ikevia, PPD, Cineos. I mean, who was? Are you comfortable mentioning their name? Uh, I'm comfortable. I'm not sure how comfortable they'd okay, be, okay. but um, but they're small. I'm assuming they're a small CRO. Uh, yeah, they're yeah, they're small. Yeah, they're not huge. Okay, I'd say okay. they're mid mid size. How did you find them? They do, they, they do, they specialize in a lot of germ stuff too. So they're specialized germ CROs who, who kind of did that. Does really. their name start with a C, the letter C? No. Okay. Then I, it's not who I know. Okay. Wow. And you just found them. Like, how did you find them? You knew somebody there? Or? Uh, through our network. Um, you know, we knew other companies and through our advisors and our other startups that, wow. that were in the space. Yeah. So they monitored it. They had a CRA and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, you know, limit. So, for example, you know, in terms of clinic visits, we had one, we had three clinic visits, you know, at zero, four, and eight weeks. Um, at zero and eight weeks, we collected like full bore, right? So you're doing microbiome sequencing and everything. At four weeks, we didn't do microbiome sequencing, but we did have them take before after pictures. So we had um, all that data. We had diaries throughout. We had, you know, whatever, um, compliance checks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That is, Great budget, Dr. Farva. All this stuff, including microbiome sequencing for like 1800 a patient? Mm -hmm. Chris, uh, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Are you like this is uh, we've there's going to be so many people. Dr. Varma's LinkedIn will be underneath this video and in the show notes. So those couldn't have been the that couldn't have been the initial estimates for the price per patient, right? Did you negotiate that down like quite a bit? Mm. From when we started, which was looking at like a phase one or phase one B. To where we ended up, we were very happy. <laughs> <laughs> Order of magnitude less. <laughs> From yeah, more than two million down to like 150, 180. It was just crazy. Um, You're we gonna be a lot of people's hero of watching this. And and like I said, you know, ideally, if I was running my ideal trial, I'd have people doing clinic visits every week for three months. I'd be following them after they stopped using the product for six months, right? We all have our ideal clinical trial design, which is wildly out, like just, it, you could, it's just too much, right? So then you, you make the hard choices, you pick and choose. You, you're like, okay, which is the question that I really, really want answered and how do we go about finding the best way to answer it? Um, and, and so hard choices were made and, and we worked with, with our CRO to, to figure out, oh, um, do we really, really want this? Because this will cost, you know, this is the sticker price on that. And if you take that away and maybe add something else that's smaller, it'll actually help you answer that question or something even more important. So, so for over-the-counter consumer product, does the FDA even need anything? Like, did you even need to do this? No, you, we didn't. And most, almost, this is where we're in the outliers. Like, we did a lot of stuff that, and continue to do a lot of stuff that no other company does. Uh, and it doesn't deter us or stop us. It's just who we are and we know we know that. Um, for us, like I said, you know, it was really important, even as our investors were saying, hey, do you really need to run this trial? We were, we were just steadfast because we knew that th this is something that has to be done uh, because the science is kind of our strongest suit. And with this new technology, if we don't figure this out, no one is going to have these answers. Um, and we want to have hard data, not just, you know, nice reviews from, you know, 90% of our customers, which is great, which is what builds a business. But from a scientific point of the view, you need to have hard data. You need to have, you know, numbers with error bars around them that are substantial enough because you've done this in enough people, you know? So I'm guessing as we wrap up, the you invest. You probably had some investors saying, "Hey, Dr. Pharma, you don't need all this. Why are we even doing this?" I'm guessing you said, "Look, we're we need to treat ourselves like a therapeutic company, like a biotech. And even though this particular product is not going IND, what mm -hmm. I'm actually building is a platform to where we can eventually take something that way. So, was it more just to get in the habit of doing it, mm -hmm. or because you like to do it?" Because it's still a lot of money. I mean, you negotiate down a lot, but am yeah. I on the right track? No, you're 100% right. That, that's exactly right. Because to me, the, the, the implications and the potential of this technology is, is huge. Acne for us, you know, we don't consider ourselves an acne company. For us, acne is the first and most important step in a journey that we hope will transform human health. Because we sure. want to change the way we treat chronic bacterial diseases. Whether it's of the skin, you know, your acne or eczema, of the oral health, right, cavities, gingivitis, et cetera, 
or gut health, ultimately, IBS, Crohn's, etc. We're building a, a technology platform and a framework, an infrastructure where people can go to, you know, a lot of us feel out of sorts. I would say 90% of our kind of, you know, niggles and, and things that were like, oh, you know, I'm feeling a little sore here or I'm just like not feeling myself. That's 90% of our um, health kind of concerns. But we never go to see a doctor for it. Not until your arm's falling off and your knee is on fire, right? And you're hobbling into the ER. And to my point, from my point of view, that is just not a definition of health. That's not how, how we should treat our body. And that's unfortunately how, you know, among other things, our healthcare systems drives us to, right? Mm -hmm. So what if there was a way in which you could interrogate your own health, get, you know, really actionable data and say, oh, we're, we, you have some gut issues. We looked at your gut microbiome. This stuff is out of balance. This stuff is in balance. So we're going to give you something to just push this down, pull that up, right? Kind of like a digital equalizer for your gut. Dr. And Hazen, then you are you listening? Symptoms, and then six months later, you can take another gut test and you can say, oh, okay, those levels did go up, but this other level is a little lagging. So we'll push that up. Deterministic, actionable insights that, that you can then follow up on, not just, oh, here, have some vitamin D. I'm sure this will cure everything, right? <laughs> Dr. Varma, you are amazing. You're everyone's hero who has ever dreamed of doing a trial. You're showing them that, I mean, when you started this, did you have a fancy team? Or it's just you, you know, but can we make this pragmatic for people? Before, um, I'm sorry, before you answer, just to elaborate on something Dan said there, we talk to probably at least one or two doctors a month that want to do their own trial. Okay. So they, they're just blown away by the cost. So mm -hmm. do you think they would be blown away by the cost Dr. Varma gave? No, them? no, I, I think that would substantially help their situation but i still think most would not but do you think move. most would qualify though because this is like unique because it's a consumer product you're right correct so it's completely different product so i still think they're going to spend double at least if not quadruple um <laughs> i so, double they should sign the the contract right away because yeah, right yeah that's what i'm saying quadruple right it's oh, it's, yeah. it's very expensive yeah Mm-hmm. Plus the trials are complex, so now you have to pay the investigators. But in your case, Dr. Varma, the trials seem very simple because you made it that way, realizing, hey, I have to compromise. So let's take a lot of these assessments out because these poor dermatologists, they're not gonna be working for free yep. to do this, right? So you make <laughs> it as easy as possible for them to do it and yeah. for the patients and keep costs down. There's a lot of things that go into play here, but Thank you so much for coming on and just giving like us clinical researchers a little bit. Stay tuned, though. All right, I'm going to say goodbye to Guru Nation, but stay tuned to continue our conversation with Chris and Dan. Um, but thank you so much. Dr. Varma's link is underneath LinkedIn. You can have people reaching out saying, hey, how do you help? Can you help me do this? You can have a side business now. Um, <laughs> feel free to send them back my way. Me and yeah. Chris, we deal with them all the time. And no, work out uh, a referral code <laughs> system. Yeah, we'll work out a little <laughs> affiliate link. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Varma, and thank you everyone for watching and listening. Take care.